Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. Before we get started, the primary and Fire in the Library are still up on Kickstarter. You have a couple more days to check those out. And we still have the listener survey up at theboardgameworkshop.com. Just five questions about the show, and you can enter to win a copy of Battlestar Galactica. In this contributor episode... Bez tells us how a great game is like a diet. Matt talks about showing his game at conventions. And I sit down with Carla, Daniel, Ben, Matt, James, Jen, and Keegan at Unpub 8, talking about the convention and the creepy horse hotel it was held in. Here's Bez. Hi, I'm Bez, and I'd like to talk to you about how a game, a good game, is exactly like a good diet. Because it's all about the emergent results of the rules, not the rules themselves. A potato diet doesn't restrict your calories directly. It relies upon you being bored of eating nothing but cold, unseasoned boiled potatoes. And so you eat a bit less and you change your approach to food, and the Twitter public consumption diet that I underwent. By taking a picture of everything eaten, there's a slight obstacle, there's mindfulness, and there's a bit of associated shame, and it's all about these emergent results. But at the same time, it's all about the individual. Maybe you're happy to gorge on cold, unseasoned boiled potatoes, Maybe you're obstinate and you want to prove that you can actually gain weight whilst having such a boring thing. And maybe you're happy to turn over cards one at a time, just hoping that you find a fish. And knowing that this game has no decisions, but reveling in it in an ironic sense, or simply maybe... A particular mechanism fills you with joy, or it works for you, or your group, or the situation, or the moment in your life which you are in currently. It's not about numerical results, whether you lost weight, but it's so much more. Are you happy? Are you feeling good? Are you healthy? Was the desired emotion elicited? If it's a horror game, did you feel tension, worry, or dread? Were you scared? If it was a party game, did you feel some connections? Calorie counting is like an engine, or a clever set of mechanisms. On its own, it means so little, and it's only when it's combined with other things, when it's built into something so much more, an overall healthier way of living, with exercise, and that's what you need to make it all work. Surrounding mechanisms that make sense together and actually make everything so much more than the sum of their parts that are working together in a cohesive whole. A victory condition that you can reach in multiple ways with multiple viable strategies that makes you want to play again, that fills you with anticipation for your next playthrough. A theme that makes sense of these numbers. Something more than just an optimization puzzle that you play through once and then you think, okay, well, there's not much interaction here and I'm going to always pursue the same strategy because, hey, the only difference is the way that the dice roll out and I'm sometimes going to be lucky and sometimes I'm not, but it's still the best way and... I can work out how to do these things. And maybe sometimes these things are too complicated to work out because our human minds only go so far. But it needs to be more than just the numbers. You don't need everything. I mean, you should have a healthy mental relationship with food that doesn't consume your every waking moment. And you might not need all of this, but you need some of it. You can't just count the numbers and then call it all done. And that's why, just like a good diet is more than just calorie counting, a good game is more than just having a bunch of numbers and then calling it balanced and calling it done. 
because it's not just about the balance. It's not just about saying, okay, this way to win isn't always going to win, or okay, there's multiple viable strategies. Is it engaging with you emotionally? Is it actually doing what you want? Is it actually coming to make your life better? Because that is what it's all about at the end of the day. And so, yeah, a good diet is just like a good game. Well, thanks for listening. And join me in a couple of weeks where I'll talk about how a good game is like something else that is not a diet, but is exactly like a diet. Because just like a diet and just like everything else, it is exactly like a good game. Hello everyone, this is Matt Shoemaker with Hit Him With A Shoe. This is my first contributor podcast segment for the Board Game Workshop. And as such, I thought I would just tell you a little bit about myself before jumping into this segment. So I'm a librarian in the Philadelphia area, and for the past five or so years, I've been creating board games uh, for internal use in an educational setting at the college level. Uh, To make many of these games, we modify other games or design things from scratch and use them to teach uh, real-world issues. So I'll be covering many of those topics in these segments, but uh, something else I am doing right now is creating my first game for uh, public consumption that I will be looking to kickstart in the fall. Uh, That game is Bee Lives, We Will Only Know Summer, and today I would like to go over what it's been like to use conventions uh, as a setting for both playtesting and marketing your game. Um, So, the first uh, convention, or really more of an event, that I attended this uh, winter was the Philadelphia Beekeeper Symposium. Now, the game I'm designing is focused on bees and what it's like to be a wild beehive. So while the Beekeeper Symposium is not a gaming event, I figured it would be a good idea to reach out to the local beekeeping community and see um, how they approach the game um, and get feedback on on this product from non-gamers. This turned out to be a really advantageous um, thing for me to do because not only did I get to play test uh, this game with people who are very interested in the theme of the game, but not so much uh, gamers themselves, um, but I got to gauge just how much interest there was outside of a heavy gaming community. And luckily for me, uh, it turned out that about one third of all of the attendees of the symposium uh, signed up for my mailing list, which was great. I wasn't expecting anything near that. Uh, I didn't get a lot of actual play tests in, but what I did get to do was show the game to uh, these people who were largely non-gamers and see how well they could understand the game, if the rules made sense to them, if the mechanics made sense to them, and just work with them in general to uh, make sure that I was on a viable path. Uh, So with that in mind, I would highly recommend if your theme fits a community like that, that you reach out to that community and see if you can connect with them, because you may find more players than you had originally intended uh, if you're reaching out to people that are outside of our typical gaming circles. Now, the event that I went to following the Philadelphia Beekeeper Symposium was an event up in New Jersey called Dreamation. Now, Dreamation, I also took a slightly different approach to uh, testing the game as well as uh, exhibiting it to other people. Um, After talking with the convention, which I always recommend you do if if it makes sense because they did not have a playtesting component here, uh, we decided that it would be best if I show the game in the off hours, uh, but during the main hours of the convention, so during the day and up through about uh, 10 p.m. at night, run games that inspired uh, this game for me. Um, So in my case, I ran games with Clans of Caledonia, uh, Caverna, as well as a feast for Odin. Now, going through all of these games allowed me to connect with people 
who uh, played games that were similar to the one that I'm designing uh, and allowed me to talk with them to see what it was exactly that they liked about these games who I was cherry picking certain mechanics and other aspects about to put into the game I'm designing. Now, uh, while I was able to do some outreach for my game and run a couple of play tests uh, during the off hours with it, as far as a marketing approach goes, I don't think this ended up being all that great. I did hand out some cards and get some interest in the game and a couple newsletter signups. But for the most part, it was really just kind of talking to people uh, who loved games like the one I was designing and figuring out what I could do to um, kind of connect them more into what I was doing. Now, the third convention this winter that I hit up is a little one in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, known as GaryCon. Now, if you were an RPG player, you probably know very well of GaryCon. Uh, it is a convention that was created to uh, celebrate the life of Gary Gygax. And it was uh, he is the one of two people who created the game Dungeons & Dragons. Um, when he died a decade ago, his family decided to kind of honor him and remember him by holding a game convention every year. And that is how GaryCon was created. So uh, this is a personally uh, favorite convention, and I was going to go to this one no matter what. So I figured, why not? Let's hold some playtests of BeLives while we're there and see just how uh, the community kind of receives it and what kind of feedback we can get in a audience that, while they do play some board games, is not the focus of this event. So I ran a total of eight playtests of BeLives while I was there. Um, and though uh, the game is for one to four players, while I didn't have four players for every one, I did have players for almost all my playtests. If I remember correctly, my very first one, no one came to. Um, but it was well received there. Um, part of the things that I found important about this was that signups were held through tabletop events, and it was very important to have a good description of the game. Now, I say this because I had several people that had signed up in advance for the playtests, and those people did all came enjoyed the game uh were able to enjoy it and give both good feedback on the kind of play test but also allowed me to run it as more of a demo almost all of them signed up for the newsletter and talked positively about the game now i mentioned the benefit of having a positive description about your game as well as an accurate one because i did have a few walk-ups as well and these walk-ups didn't really know what they were getting into other than they enjoyed board games. And they found that the type of game that I was running was not one that was of main interest to them. So with that in mind, though they played the game and they were able to give some feedback for because they are not really the target player base that I was aiming for, the uh, feedback that I got was not as useful, um, nor did I make as good connections reaching out for the game. So overall, I would not go to an event like GaryCon specifically to playtest a board game. I do think it was overall a successful endeavor. And if I was going to be at that convention again in the future, which I probably will be, I definitely would bring a board game there again to try out since it only took up part of my time that was there. And it was definitely a worthwhile experience as well as allowed me to reach people in the Midwest, unlike the East Coast where I am located. So it just got me a little more breath. And then finally, the last convention that I have attended this winter uh, just took place uh, last week, uh, at least as of the date of when I'm recording this, and that was Unpub 8. Now, I had not attended uh, the major Unpub before, though I had been to some Unpub minis in the past. And I'm really glad I went to this. Um, the state of my game when it's sent here is uh, it's not final by any means, um, but it's definitely getting closer to the fact that I need more kind of... Um, I guess I would call it high-level playtesting and tweaking of specific mechanics where I mostly know where things are going, but I need to make sure the math is playing out exactly how I want and that the balance issues are right. So with that in mind, I got uh, one table for uh, Lives running on um, Friday evening and Saturday morning, and in that period... Uh, I ran about 12 playtests total. Um, now, these playtests went well. I was able to connect with people uh, similar to Gary Khan and the walk-ups. Not all of them really ended up enjoying the game um, 
in the sense that it wasn't the style of game that they usually look for. But those that did match the play style were, again, uh, they enjoyed what I had brought and they were able to give good feedback on mechanics, balance suggestions. I had some good feedback on a possible player mat and adding in some uh, player aid information on there. Uh, Just a lot of uh, good general ideas as well as outreach um, that worked as well. Now, though, uh, from a playing and uh, design aspect uh, on Pub was very useful. What I actually found um, most beneficial about the convention was the networking aspects. I attended the uh, Mixer on Thursday night with other designers. And over there, I was able to connect with a lot of people that I follow on Twitter and just kind of meet them in person and find out what they're doing, share what I was doing with them and really just make friends with them. Attending the Mixer and Unpub 8 allowed me to reach out to a community of designers that I don't have access to in the Philadelphia area. There are several other game designers in the Philadelphia area, but now I have more of a a national um, group that I have met personally and I feel just a little bit closer to having conversed with them in person and that I can now reach out to, whether it's on Twitter or maybe send them an email, um, and that have expressed their interest in assisting me, whether it's with design questions, marketing questions, crowdfunding questions, things like that. This not only made the convention experience far more enjoyable, um, but it made it possible for me to get a lot more out of my game than just getting design and playtesting feedback. If you can make an event like Unpub 8, or well, Unpub 9 next year, or any other um, larger playtesting event where you know there's going to be other designers at that you normally don't get a chance to see, or maybe you converse with online but not met in person, I highly recommend that you not only go to that event, but put yourself forward and speak to and meet those people. So that's all of my winter convention tour. Um, Come spring and summer, I will be hitting up Origins uh, as well as Dice Tower Con and Gen Con. So I will probably be revisiting this topic once those conventions are finished and comparing them to these winter conventions. I'll also be doing some smaller events such as International Tabletop Day. Next segment, I will be focusing more on theme and what that means to the games that I've designed. Uh, Until then, if you have any questions or you'd like to see more about me or my games, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at BeLivesGame. You may also go to www.hitemwithashoe. That's E-M, not T-H-E-M. Otherwise, uh, happy gaming, and I will see you next time. Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, and I am here with... Carla Cott from Weird Draft Games. Daniel Newman. Ben Beagle. Matt Shoemaker. James Myers, game designers in North Carolina. And we're at Unpub 8. This is my first Unpub. Who else is their first Unpub? Mine. It's my first Unpub as well. No, it's my third, I think. Yeah. Yeah, third third for me as well. I I go all the way back to Delaware. School cafeteria. Wow. Patrick Nickel from Crash Games. Got Scrapple for everybody in the morning. And it was just you, Patrick, and TC Petty, right? At that first unpub? That was it? No, no, that, I wasn't at the first unpub. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I'm not that old. How has unpub been for people? Has everyone been presenting something? Except Ben. No, no I've been presenting <laughs> me. He's been presenting the entire unpub. Yeah. No. It's very meta. Yeah. So I'd say it's been great for me. I mean, this is, uh, I'm presenting B-Lives, uh, We Will Only Know Summer, which is the first game that I'm trying to publish. I've worked on several games in the past for an educational library setting, but this is the first time I'm trying to really get something out there. And Unpub has provided a great avenue for both getting playtesting done, as well as just meeting and networking with people that are in the industry and getting out there. Um, it's been wonderful, and it gave me a chance to be on a podcast like this and just kind of get the word out on uh, the game. Uh, it's been pretty fantastic for me. Um, I'm also running a Kickstarter right now, so it is very, very hectic constantly, and I haven't had enough sleep, and I'm kind of, like, dying right now, maybe. So a game convention is the perfect thing to do, right? No, no, I think, like, I have much regrets. Like, well, I was kind of putting off, like, figuring out, like, if it was good or not, but, like, I'm so tired. Like, you shouldn't do both things at the same time. 
But, I mean, it could be good for the Kickstarter. I don't know. I haven't really honestly had time to check on, so. Have you slept much at all? I have You sound like you're sleepwalking. Well, it's it's, Uh, it's not the sleep. It's the interview she did earlier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I did, like, interview after interview. That's been my... Like, so I was either um, demoing and, like, explaining how to play various games, or I was just talking at people. So, yeah, that's been my convention, is just talking the entire time. And that's, I mean, Unpub's amazing, and you, like, get to interact with so many great designers and, like, high-quality playtesters come and play your games, but it is exhausting. Just, like, if if you lean towards introversion at all, like, it's going to take me a week to recover just from having to talk to people. And it's people I like and I love seeing, but I'm worn out. And even me, who totally opposite side from introverts, which a lot of a lot of people in, in the gaming community and the design community are. I still need my ten minutes every once in a while. I just it's 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 over it can become very overwhelming if you let it. And uh, you just have to kind of go with the flow and then take the take the time and take the break when you can. And it's easy to let it, because these are people you don't see very often and you want to spend time with them and you want to play their stuff and you want them to get to play your stuff. And, and you want to impress them and you want yeah. them to see the changes you've made right. and, and hope for the good word too. Yeah. So and it's it, tough. Yeah. It, it's definitely tougher than a regular gaming convention because you have to be on all the time. Oh, it's because work. you're teaching, right? Not yeah. only are you playing a game every hour, you're teaching a game every hour, and you're watching a game every minute to see what every person in the game is doing on every turn. Yeah. And when you're playing other people's stuff, you want to be on, and you want to give them good feedback, and you want to make it worthwhile for them. So, like, it's constant work, like, all day long. Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, I've been going to gaming conventions since I was about 12, year old, 12 years old in the early 90s. And those games, conventions, you can just go out, let it hang out, just do whatever you want to do, play your games. Out here, you're definitely trying to impress people, you're trying to talk to people, you're trying to get feedback from everybody, you're on all the time. All I want to do right now is go back to my hotel room and crash, and that's not going to happen. I'm going to be up for another five hours, probably, and I'm going to be very glad that I did in the end of the day, but right now, it's it's physically painful. I can't help but compare it to Metatopia. And Metatopia just seemed so much more relaxing from a schedule standpoint. That's because it's scheduled. It's, yeah, it's all so organized, you so you know exactly what you're responsible for. Four hours of pitch pitch, pitch, yeah. pitch, pitch. Yeah. Like, this is exhausting. It, oh, and standing the whole time. At Metatopia, yeah. I sat down. And it, is, oh, that something, <laughs> is that something you expect? I mean, how does this, you know, you brought up Metatopia, and you know, some of us have been to Metatopia, some of us haven't. How does this compare to your expectation for this, having been to your first Metatopia only, you know, four months ago? Um, I heard a lot about Unpub from various podcasts, so I kind of expected it to be this. Um, I was not prepared for how exhausting this is. <laughs> But I was expecting, like, the public coming in and a lot of teaching, and you would have to pitch and stuff. So more like um, B-Fig, which I'm familiar with, and B-Fig nearly killed me. That was, <laughs> that was like, seven straight hours of running two games simultaneously, yeah, which that's is rough. great, but is terrible. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's much more on that level of just exhausting and pitching. Yeah. I, managed, I managed to catch lightning in a bottle at last year's Unpub and did... 20 hours of teaching in two days, oh my God, and man. I could barely speak at the end of it. And so this year, by comparison, is a cakewalk. I love the change they made this year where you have four hours and then eight hours and then four hours yeah. over three days rather than eight hours and eight hours over two days yeah. because it Sunday afternoon will kill your voice if you are not prepared. Um, and so this, this weekend is far more... Manageable. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, this might be my first unpub, but I do a lot of uh, dungeon mastering for 12 to 16 hours straight at other conventions. That stuff will kill your voice. Bring your cough drops, bring your water, stay hydrated. These are all things you need to do to survive these events, especially when you're pitching. Yeah, very good. Just threw some cough <laughs> just, drops on the for table. The listeners, <laughs> I just threw a bag of cough That's drops on the table. Yeah. Great radio. And literally yeah. everyone but Daniel has water. Yes. I, only because I already drank the two bottles I was carrying with me and haven't been back to my room. And Daniel has pizza. And I have pizza. And he's not sharing because he's a jerk. I did not eat. <laughs> Does this make up for not getting barbecue? Almost. Previous listeners of the podcast will know. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Carla, um, all you've heard about this coming in, how did it compare to that? Like, how did it compare to your expectations in that regard? Like, based on maybe hearing podcasts, talking to other people? Um, so I didn't really listen to any podcasts. I came in with, like, real, really no expectations. Like, my week has been, like, oh, I have to do these hundred things on my task list, and I didn't do the whole, like, getting ready for Unpub or thinking about it, in the very least. Um... 
So this, this is the, for this is being recorded. What is today? Saturday, Saturday? night. Still Saturday. Yeah, yeah it's still, still Saturday. Saturday. I could be wrong. It's not. It's not just that Carla has an active Kickstarter going. It's they launched the Kickstarter earlier this week. Yeah. 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 How's it feel to do this? Like have the campaign during Unpub. You're not the first to do it. You won't be the last. But how does it feel? Do you feel that it it ramped up your stress levels? Uh, definitely, definitely, because um, I was so busy like dealing with uh, making graphics and responding to backers and all the messages. Like there was a lot of messages on a lot of different mediums. Um, so I didn't pack appropriately. I missed things when I was like I didn't bring a toothbrush. I didn't bring like face wash and a bunch of stuff that I then had to go and get somebody to drive me to a store. And then like I was. I, because I was running late, I missed a flight, and there's all these things where if I had been in not in Kickstarter mode, like, I would pack, like, three toothbrushes, because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> like, that's what I typically do. Um, so, well, yes. You got your toothbrush, and then your backup toothbrush, yeah, and then your backup for your backup no, toothbrush. It's morning, afternoon, and night. Oh, you're disposable. Yeah. <laughs> One for every day. Yeah. 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 Well, you never know. Like, well, I don't let people into my room, but, like, maybe the door thing will fall off, and maybe they'll accidentally take one of my toothbrushes. Like, yeah. I'm, like... There is, I, I mean, I've been prepare. known to do that, steal those Suburban, uh, Maryland does have a used toothbrush ring, yeah. uh, so you do have to protect your toothbrushes. It's always good to hide some. I use my safe for my extra toothbrushes, because <laughs> uh, I didn't even trust the cleaning stuff. But can you trust the safe? So, speaking of the hotel staff, <laughs> let's talk about this hotel that is absurdly oh, long and filled oh with horses. Oh, gosh. The horses. <laughs> it's not even long. It's yeah. like here. You say that it's, we ab heard. Okay. You say that it's okay. absurdly long. My wife it's and I are staying in the second from the last hotel room at oh, the other geez. end of the building. Yeah, it's God. like, well, and it's yeah. not just long, it's like weird and windy. No, it, no, yeah, it curls in on itself. Yeah, I think like, it's actually a spiral. Yeah. We actually discovered a fantastic, the, the elevator, you can walk, literally walk from our room to the elevator, go straight down to this level, and then walk across, so you never even have to go through the lobby. I didn't go outside today, I know, it was great. I know of wow. people that are, rather than going through the hotel, are sneaking Welcome. through the back end of the bar, out the exit of the bar, across the parking lot is faster than going through the hotel. So we are joined by Jennifer and Keegan, are finding seats. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. I think like the worst part family. about this hotel, like I love horses. I I'm definitely allergic to oh, horses. And when horses. I got married, I had oh, a horse, horse and the doctor was like, "Do not get Welcome close to, to that talk. horse." And yeah. I was like, "I am getting close to that horse." That's how much I like horses. But it's kind of freaky for me to like yeah. there's like these close-ups of horses. Like you get super close to the ear of the horse in the picture. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's not just that like they like horses. Every room has three pictures of horses in it and the one over the bed is life-sized. Mine's bigger than yeah. life-size. Have so. we talked about the shrubbery outside? Oh, yeah, the oh, right. yeah. shrubbery outside. It's I've not so even noticed weird. that. It's three like, horses. And it's shrubbery. dead. It's what? so it, dead. It dead horse shrubs. Yes. Do we talk about yes. your pun? Uh, right, so my pun is that uh, it's foliage. Oh, foliage. Very nice. Gold. And we're no longer joined by Jennifer. <laughs> so I do have to say that uh, I think every convention needs to have some weird thing about it. I was just at Gary Con in uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin two weeks ago, which was in the old Playboy Club of Wisconsin. Um, and so there are bunny memorabilia and just ridiculous beer insignia and all sorts of stuff all over the place. It's just crazy. I think every con needs to have something ridiculous about the convention center hotel that it's at, or it's not a real gaming convention. Well, I think that, that's just unique. Is that for bonding? It's totally for bonding, because right now we're bonding over horses and hedges and long walks through the horse hedges. Foliage. Foliage, yes. I, I think that the reason this hotel is so spread out is that if you look at it from the air, it actually looks like a horse on a satellite photo. Uh, I can't, I can't prove that, but that's my quite, thought quite based on walking but through we the can't halls. Disprove it right now. Yep. Yeah. Listeners, look it up. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jennifer Keegan, want to introduce yourself? Since you. Uh, sure, yeah, I, I am Jennifer Graham Mech. Uh, I am the editor for Play Satellite, which is a content site uh, on the internet, and we do <laughs> written stuff about this hobby. Yeah. I am uh, Keegan Aquata. I am operating with 50% of my voice, um, and I am co-designer with uh, Jen on a couple of projects that we've been working on. <laughs> Listeners, those were, cough drops. Drops. those were the cough drops again. Oh, cough drops sliding <laughs> across the table. would also oh. like to introduce themselves. Yes. <laughs> so how has Unpub been for you both? Uh, 
Very good. Yeah. yeah. Like usual, we get tons of great feedback and um, and the community is great and super accessible and like never do have this many people who are like, you have an unfinished thing, I want to see it. And so that's a really good feeling. Jen and I were just talking earlier about um, Unpub for us seems to be the greatest place to both, you know, um, show our games, try other games, and to network with people. And the only challenge we've found here is that we can't possibly do it all at once. We want to play every game, we want to show everyone our game, and we want to talk to everyone, and it's just... And see all their yeah. stuff. But I'm never at a yeah. loss for things to it do. It feels like you need a weekend to socialize, you need a weekend to play test, and then you yeah. need a weekend to play test other people's games. Can we do can we do a to recover. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's another weekend. That's a separate... Can we do, like, a summer camp thing? Like, a week-long... <laughs> Unpub like, summer month, camp. Yeah. Month, yeah. Month, right. Try and convince Daryl we do it in his backyard. Yeah. yeah. He's got oh, the smoker. Real. Yeah. So we just... Tent, we camp? Yeah, we camp. Oh, JR does do it. And, and, and then we'll have crafts. Yeah. What do you think? There's and, like and campfire 20, songs. 30 people you, uh, in this You big camper? Yeah. You, know, you know, we'll have like, you know, 99 bags of bits on the wall. 99 bags of bits. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Your shirts would work for me as a tent. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. One size fits Ben is a tent for Daniel. <laughs> That's fair. I've made that joke. Yeah, and I, now I feel like a jerk because everybody doesn't know that. No, nobody knows that joke. I know, an old band. You know, one, of the, one of the funniest, like, things in, in that regard yeah. is Unpub 4, first, first, or Unpub 5, first one in Baltimore. Uh, Tiffany Ralph, now Kyrez, is... Is, is live streaming the event. And I had done some uh, photo bingo cards for, for that, where you take a picture, you get the, the thing, you, we, I'd worked it out with the, the store, which is Carl, the store here, uh, to get, give people store credit. Uh, just, just for fun, just for something stupid. Uh, we had people trying to get, uh, like, get blackouts in one photo. We had people trying to get the whole line in one photo. It was entertaining. But she, she mentions on her podcast, or on her, her, her video stream, that uh, she, you know, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. I got a bingo card that I'm working on. Some fat kid gave it to me. She takes a step back and explains, oh, no, no. That's his Twitter handle. I'm not just going to say that. I was like, I win! Yeah, your Twitter name basically makes everybody a troll. Yeah. And because of that, I win! <laughs> so, I mean, that was just, I mean, that goes all the way back to that. So, if, if I'm the one doing it and that's my identity, I'm the biggest little kid in the world, we all win. And we're all having fun, so who cares? Yeah. And that makes the world a better place. Yeah. So, you know, Jennifer, Keegan, this is your second unpub, right? Third. Third. It's third. Yeah, yeah, third. It's your second. We, we get well, jackets. Yeah. Second, second one that we, we number three. just showing. Yeah. The first yeah, one so we went to, we How does this compare, out. knowing what you showed last year, knowing that you went through that experience of showing last year, how did you prepare differently this year? Because we've got some, you know, newbies here that didn't, you know, forgot toothbrushes and stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Noobs. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we waited even more until the last minute to get our prototype ready uh, this some, time. Some of the answer is that, um, how did, we, we prepared less, actually. <laughs> um, well, the funny thing is, last year at Unpub, uh, we, we had been working on a game for a very long time. We came to Unpub with what we felt was a very polished, refined game. And we hadn't gotten the volume of playtesting we wanted out of it. We brought it here, and it was, uh... It was very well received. It, we, we had a great time showing it to people, and that was an awesome experience. But it was just reassuring what we already knew. This is a good, solid game, and it's done. And this year, uh, we have a game that's much more like 50% there. And it's been a different experience for us because it's, it's a more... It's a more fragile, vulnerable place to come with, like, oh, I'm not confident in this, but... I can't tell you how many times Keegan has used the word vulnerable this weekend. <laughs> hey, some of those were about Pokemon. It takes, <laughs> uh, so, it takes ten years to make your, your, your debut album, Yeah. and you only have six months to make the sophomore album. Exactly. Yep. So, so, so is, did you feel, was, is that kind of what you felt? It, a little bit, but but this time around, I think it was, it was good for us to do that, yeah. because coming into this experience, it was, you know, it's still the warmest community. Everyone is. Everyone's here doing the same thing. There's no judgment in any critiques. Yeah. There's no. There's no harshness in in feedback. And there's it was, well, there's yeah. a lot of critique. 
Yeah. Well, it, yeah, yeah, and there's this feeling of imposter syndrome, and I think we all get it, and we all don't admit that. Are you that. qualified to speak on imposter syndrome? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't 100%. tell you the amount of times that Jen has used imposter syndrome this weekend. So, yes. hey. so when we recorded Metatopia, imposter syndrome came up. That was, a, that was a whole episode. It was imposter syndrome when we did Metatopia. Yeah. 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 It comes up a lot. But I wonder, like, that's such an interesting thing about the, the board gaming community that I've found is, like, we're hanging out here with, with Tim Fowers and John Gilmore and Matt Leacock, and they're the most normal, approachable dudes. Like, you expect it to be some level of grandeur, and it's not. They're just, like, people. And and then you think to yourself, well, like, I'm just a person. Like, I don't belong here. Yeah, but they are, too. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's good to see those kinds of things. But yeah, I brought, uh, speaking of having a game 50% done, I brought a game that I had not played at all. I got the first play in this morning. But that's worked so well for you in the past. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. Everyone loved it. It went really well. For the listeners, though. Wait, but, but so you, you actually play-tested it? Yes. Got so throw it, it away. can't be published now. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but it's for, great. So, so for those that don't know, the games that Chris has, has gotten signed and published, he never play-tested before he pitched them as proof of concept. That is true. That's impressive. It's only happened twice. Not a recommended strategy for most people. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Not everyone's as good as me. Play-test a lot. That's what the publisher the, does. Yes, yes. He, he feels that the developer does, does that work. The designer comes up with the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I got a I'm game. like Walt Disney. Yes, you're exactly <laughs> like Walt Disney. In every respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one I else is at that talk with Peter this morning. Yeah. This morning? Yeah. Yesterday. Well, Were you there? You have no Roy Disney? That's, that's the real question. No, Jason's the boy. Right? Or I guess Josh is. In this case, it's, it's Josh Edwards. Yeah. So just to back up for those of you at home that don't know, Roy Disney was the person who always said no to Walt. And to back up to yes. How to far the, are we going to back actual, up on this? So we're going back to so, I mean, so that's like you know you brought up hundred years with, right? like outside the hall. <laughs> I'm, I'm circling back to the, the panel with Peter. I mean, there were panels and things. Did you guys attend any of those? That is the only one I attended. I missed all the other ones because I slept in because the mornings are terrible. On the rulebook panel, which I look forward to reading. The rulebook panel yes. was excellent. Yes, I got Ruth's notes, so I have a feeling they're going to be. Yep. So I was watching her take them. Yeah. Oh, they'll be real nice to read. It looked like Dustin had notes on what he was talking about. I kind of just wanted to be like Dustin. Yeah, he popped his uh, Google Doc online for everyone to read really? right after the talk. Oh, Amazing. Okay, I need that link. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> we'll spread it around. All right. And then you know where to post it. Put it, put it there. I can put it in the show notes if I find it and remember. <laughs> okay. so never mind. I'll probably listen yeah. to it before I post it. <laughs> That'd be advisable. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I came with a game in a similar situation to yours, right? Never been play tested. This is the game I've been working on for two or three years. It was one of my first designs. Uh, starting on Monday, I ripped out the engine and put a new engine in. And I might see if it runs this weekend. I don't know. You haven't played it yet? Not yet. Good luck. It's an exciting time. <laughs> Terrifying. I mean, we, we talked about the hotel and the fact that it's the, the, the Winchester Hotel, apparently. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think of the area here? I mean, some of you guys have been to Baltimore or downtown at Convention Center. How does this compare, like good, bad, and otherwise? Well, I, well, I haven't been to the other one. I just want to speak up quickly because I don't have a car, so I'm stuck in the hotel. And I do have to say the one thing that I don't like about this place is the food options. You're stuck to the bar, and you're stuck to the restaurant attached to the bar, and the Starbucks right next door. That is closed it, most of the with time. With closed <laughs> most of the time. So other than that, I think it's a wonderful venue. Um, but as someone without transportation, I think you should use that as an excuse to go network, make a friend, just so you can use them for their automobile transportation. Get out of here, go to the Wegmans across the street, <laughs> go to the California Pizza, whatever you got to do, get out of here and get something that's a little better to eat than up at the hotel bar. We went to the Dollar Tree on Wednesday, Thursday. I heard that was exciting. Thursday. It was an exciting trip to the Dollar Tree. Give a bunch of designers 10 bucks each and send them to the Dollar Tree and see what they come back with. I got a 75 cent binge spinner. What? It should not be sold at a Dollar Tree. It, that's spinning. It, yeah, not very long. It's, it's going to stop in a moment. But, but, it's, but I mean, so, 75 so, cents. So, yeah, yeah. That is more than 75 how, cents how worth of fidget spinning. Downtown just in that one spin. Just in that one spin. Mm. I definitely liked the convenience because weather-wise, it seems like every time, even the later and later we move it, we bring the snow with us. This could be July 4th weekend and we'd still have a blizzard. <laughs> yeah. So, the fact that you don't have to go outside if you're staying at this hotel, right? Yeah. The fact that it's all in one place is a huge bonus. Um, because there's nothing here. like walking two blocks in downtown Baltimore at midnight in the sleet uh, after you've spent 10 hours playtesting. That's not fun. And the fact that 
I think a good chunk of people are staying here. Just like the mood just continues until 2 a.m. instead of being kicked out of the convention center and dispersing at 10 or 11 o'clock at night or even at dinner time. No, absolutely. Like, I've come to find that cons where you can stay in the hotel, I prefer way better than others. Yeah, totally um, agree with that. You can just stay with the people you want to hang out with much later. You can crawl out of bed and roll downstairs. Like, and you're just there, and it's not a big deal. The food thing is a problem. Uh, I have had mostly garbage out of vending machines today, um, and I can change that tomorrow. But, um, no, it's it's... There's trade-offs. I've had a vegetable and a fruit every day. I had Welch's fruit uh, gummies for breakfast. Does that count as fruit? There's fruit. It said there was fruit in there. Is that real? The first ingredient. Yeah. Everything That's else is corn syrup. Yeah. But it is, there's and a little bit of fruit. Each bag has one serving of fruit, four servings of sugar. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, one thing I really like about Dr. being Pepper in the same Pepper. hotel is that, like, well, I've only had to, like, once or twice had, like, an extra five minutes. I can go and be in silence in my room. Yeah. Like, and it's quiet and dark, and I just... I have my five minutes and then I can go back. Yeah. But like when you, like for Gen Con, like where I have to spend like a half an hour to drive to my hotel, it's like that's not happening and it just, it tires me out so much faster. Absolutely. That's yeah. what we're doing right now. Yeah. We, we have friends in Baltimore that are 20 minutes from the Baltimore Convention Center, 20 minutes from here. So uh, we're like, either way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the Baltimore Convention Center is is much harder to drive to and into. And it's and more expensive. And it's $30 parking to park. Parking. Park. Like, oh, yeah. $30? It was like $30 to park at my hotel last year. Yeah, yeah, like, I've heard the key to that is just tell them you lost your ticket. And huh. then you just paid a lot. And you don't have to pay for five days worth. You just pay for it. But don't do that. That's unethical. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I call that a life hack. The, the, the trick is just to lie. <laughs> yeah. Secret to life, really. <laughs> but yeah. The the free parking was a was humongous, yeah. and we've managed to find very close parking. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Parking yeah. has been a huge issue here, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But again. You just gotta deal with all horses. And also, I just reiterate that yeah. it's free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Free and a five minute walk is much better than. $25 next door. And just all the extra traffic, too, in, in like that downtown Baltimore area is, is like... Dodging train. Yeah. yeah. You know, Columbus, Indianapolis, nothing compared to downtown Baltimore, which, of course, is nothing compared to downtown Philly for PAX. Uh, if you can all, all, all avoid it, do not drive to PAX Unplugged. Oh, oh, yeah. Philadelphia is terrible. So right. long. Yeah. I mean, I live yeah. in Philadelphia, and even I had problems getting there, especially with the marathon. Yes. Now, hopefully that will not be repeated, but it was interesting having to take the subway to go underneath the ground to just to get across Broad Street. I'm sorry, Market Street. Excuse me, Market Street, just to get to the convention center. It was craziness. Wow. So, have any of you have gone to PAX East? No. This, this yep. coming uh, weekend... One, whatever, worse. I hear it's even worse than any of the other yeah. cities. Well, yeah, last uh, last year in particular, they had they got like a really bad rap for just being super crowded and. That's Boston. It's friendly. It's poorly designed. Is it friendly? No. <laughs> it's friendly. <laughs> it's New England friendly, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love that city, Boston. It's such a beautiful. City. If it wasn't so much colder than North Jersey, like. That's like an exponential increase or decrease in temperature or something like that. Decrease in the summertime. Driving down here was great because I left in a blizzard. Yeah. Got, like once I hit Rhode Island, it was better. Once I hit New Jersey, I was like, this is nice. This is spring. Yeah. Which it is spring, actually, outside of New England. It is. And uh, alternatively, driving up from North Carolina was the other direction. Started out and it was like 60. And then we got into Virginia and it gradually got more and more snow on the ground. And then into Maryland. Yeah, you're, you're Unfortunately, we drove up the day after the blizzard. So the roads were clear. But it was like, oh, yeah. Very obviously was bad weather here yesterday. <laughs> or this morning, perhaps. So let's talk about some games. Who wants to talk about what they've been showing? I've been showing this. <laughs> ben is gesturing great, to yeah, Great radio, Ben. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I've been showing, um, well, Fire in the Library is on Kickstarter now, so I've been uh, showing off the expansion um, that I've been developing for it, and I've been doing that mainly because we're hitting stretch goals, and it's like, what will be a stretch goal? I don't know. Let's play test and leave it up to the play testers, because, you know, they make decisions, right? Um, 
So I've been doing that, and also um, another game I've been working on, which is Totemic Rights, and it's a set collection rondel movement-based game, which um, I've, I've really been liking, like, working with. It's, it's surprisingly done. I don't know. Usually it takes me a lot longer to do things, but it's like, yeah, I've iterated, like, three times on this. This might be done. Who knows? So I've been uh, showing B-Lives, We Will Only Know Summer, which is uh, the first game that I'm attempting to actually publish, though it is far from the first game that I've worked on. Uh, it is a worker placement resource management game uh, where you go through one year of trying to survive in the wild as a wild beehive. It's for one to four players, and uh, it's pretty long in development. Um, I'm looking to kickstart this coming in September or October, and I'm really kind of getting some final feedback here, which is uh, luckily for me been almost entirely positive. Uh, very few uh, design criticisms coming out of here. So if nothing else, Unpub has helped verify that I'm heading in the right direction with this game. Awesome. Okay. So I've been working on uh, two games this weekend. Uh, most of the playtest time has gone to the library is burning. Uh, not to be confused with fire in the library. <laughs> Patent pending. Um, it is all about um, rescuing books from the Library of Alexandria as it goes up in flames and saving the world's knowledge. Uh, it's a drafting game with a little bit of a twist. Um, it's gotten some very good feedback and I've been able to do some final balancing before I send it off to Cardboard Edison in about eight days. Um, I promise to judge you. Thank I you. Promise. <laughs> um, and then every time I get a couple coming up that doesn't necessarily want to play library two players, I break out Small Town Rivalry, which is a two-player city-building game in a small box. Um, and I tried to tweak some mechanics before I brought it up this weekend. And so far it's gone very smoothly. I've gotten some ideas to try. Not quite as advanced as the library is burning, but feeling good about where it's going. Uh, Keegan and I uh, brought Sniper vs. Thieves, which is a tile-laying, dice-drafting game based on an iOS app. Hey, uh, I played that a couple weeks ago. And Ben played that? Oh, you did. How's, how's it playing now? It's better. It's so, it's so it, weird. How much these, have you changed since you got here? There's, there's like, <laughs> there are sewer drains in it now. I don't know where that... It's like I just came up with that idea out of thin air. <laughs> um, it is based on an, uh, an iOS app uh, or uh, is it mobile, yeah, a, mobile a mobile app, mobile, mobile game. game. And um, uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback um, to help sort of shrink and grow and gauge uh, where the fun factor is um, and how it's porting from uh, mobile to uh, board game. And then on the side, we also have a game from a friend of, uh, of ours uh, called No Further Questions, which is a party game about uh, press conferences that shouldn't be held by people who shouldn't be holding them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and roughly this amount of and, and, <laughs> yeah, there, and we could do it right now. <laughs> it's a game all about talking, just saying. Chris. Uh, I've actually I've done four games so far. I did Plutocracy, which everyone who listens to this knows about and is sick of hearing about. I've done Comic Auction, which has come a long way, and I don't know, I made a sell sheet for it and then changed a lot of stuff, so that was a fun time making a sell sheet for no reason. Um, well, those, those are the best sell sheets. <laughs> it looks really nice. I laid it out like a comic. It's great. Everyone says it's great. But anyway, uh, Grab Bag is the one that's most interesting. That's the one I didn't play until I got here, and it's everyone has a bag of bits, and you're having a race to pull out matching bits, and it worked really well. Um, it's currently themeless, but I thought of a theme here and everything. So that got a huge amount of development, and uh, yeah, it's been great. You said four, that's three. Are you still doing vanilla? No, um, the other one was Council of Guilds, which I keep forgetting that it's a three-player minimum game, and then someone says, oh, what do you want to play? I'm like, oh, how about Council of Guilds? And I get halfway through the rules, realize there's only two of us, and then one time I got a third person, the other time we just fake play the game. But people like it. It's it's promising, but... Is there a way to match those two words together? Like, flayed the game? Yeah, sure. Is that like playstorming? Maybe? Flaystorming? Playstorming. Oh, we can playstorm it. Yeah, you slice up fish in the air and a storm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what kind of games you're playing I think, I think that was a movie, and it was called Sharknado. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yes. That was also a game. Flaystorm. Quite successful, I think. That was, right? it was. As a Sharknado mini. Have you played anybody else's games? Like what other games have you played here? I played Gerrymandering. Gerrymandering was great. 
needs uh, needs to clean up the graphic design of the cards, but the uh, like the gameplay. How, how many times have yes. how many times has gerrymandering been here? Is this his second year? I don't know if this is his first. This is my first. Year, he's added a Metatopia bump. So. Okay, it, it's confusing because there are a couple of games with the same name and the same theme, but very different ways of doing stuff. And I'm never sure who it is when I hear gerrymandering the game. It's a five by five grid of cards with little sticks blocking off sections. That well, so are most. So are most of them. Then they're all the same. Yeah. So. But it was really neat. Um, what else did I play? I played. That word game by T.C. Petty. Handsome? Yeah, that's what it's called. Okay. Jason wrote me into that. That's really good. Daniel Solis has Pizza Coven. Yeah, I've, I've seen good things about that on Twitter. I haven't been able to check it out what's, myself. What's going on in that? Yeah. It's uh, come a long it, way. It is a uh, spatial... Spatial auction Auction game, game bidding. Yep. I was going to say bidding. But a spatial auction game that works really well, and he is super clever with his puns, and it's adorable. Yes. Um, it, is, it is set in yeah. the city of... In New York City. Yes. And, and the pick which will pick which... Other yep. than we're betting on. Yes. You're bidding on cauldrons to take ingredients to put on various pizzas that you are serving and, and, and using can, spells and uh, other have, things. Well, so you're not using spells anymore. Oh, not anymore. There, okay. There are recipes, and all I can think of is that the uh, meat lover's pizza is called Chimera. And yep. Yeah. Oh, nice. no, and the, the one Half-Blood, the, there's Half-Blood. There's Pepper-Oni. Oh, yes, Pepper-Oni. Yeah, with a dash in between very specifically. Uh, yeah. I was uh, able to play Those Meddling Kids by Dice Hate Me Games. It's a very nice uh, dice rolling co-op uh, featuring 80s kids on bikes, basically. But it was uh, quite enjoyable. It was a little longer than I was expecting, but that wasn't a bad thing. The time flew by, and uh, suddenly we were rescuing aliens and sending them on their way home, a la E.T. 80s kids on bikes is really blowing up as a theme. Yeah, it Almost is. Almost as much as burning libraries. Almost. <laughs> Or gerrymandering. <laughs> all great themes. I mean, we need plenty of games on all of With everything you've got going on, Carla, have you been able to play anybody else's games? I played only one game, actually, that wasn't mine. Um, so that game, I forget the name of it because it had like six words in the name. It was a very long title, um, but it was about um, mining uh, space asteroids, I believe, and it was like a spatial game where you had to line up things. It was a very interesting game because it was a joined um, like teleporter, teleporter space. So um, one of the aspects of it where you had to get a lot of rocks, and rocks were worth nothing because um, everyone's uh, little um, scorekeeping thing had to fill up at the same rate. Um, so you wanted a lot of rocks so you could put a gem in your your like teleporter and then put rocks in everyone else's. And if you got a lot of gems, like, you might have felt clever, but then you're like, now I have to give gems to my opponents? That's not fun. <laughs> so, but it was it was very cool, and I like the spatial aspect of it. I, I played a, I, one of the things I played today was a game by um, uh, Ben Pinchback, Matt Riddle, a little uh, card game called uh, um, River Valley Glass. And uh, it's about uh, collecting depression era glass. They had some interesting things going on with how you choose what cards you take, and, and the position of the cards you play determine what cards you can take into your hand or whether you automatically score those cards. Which means, uh, it, because you're playing cards to to score and you're playing cards to get cards, you need to balance whether you're scoring and whether you're getting cards. Because if you ever run out of cards, you actually have to take a card from your score pile into your hand so your score's gotten lower and that's all you do on your turn so it's it's it, it had an interesting balance there between when I score and when I uh, play other things to take cards into my hand and the way that they had set up scoring their sets like sets score two different ways which makes you pay a little more attention to where you place things originally because some some sets are rarer than others like they did some really cool things with that it played in like 15 20 minutes in a four in a the two player and the four player game I played the other thing I really you know want to talk about was uh, Leslie louder who's uh, you know part of the unpub staff the unpub board has 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 a game that she's been designing called Yellow Fever uh, 1793, uh, which is about a yellow fever outbreak that took place in Philadelphia. And she's done a lot of research on the the history and the characters involved and the things they've done and, and how 
how the fever spread and, and what happened as a result and, and who was involved in helping try to quarantine it and cure it. And because of the myths that they had about medicine and the misconceptions they had where they failed and where they didn't, she's done tons of research and she's really worked that into the game in a way that doesn't make it feel like it's just a straight simulation. But she's got a lot of opportunity to to move forward. You know, she's only had a couple play tests that were public, so she's still really in that really iterative stage. Uh, between every design, something's changing. But I think she's got a lot going on there uh, that you know I want to play again in the future when she makes some more changes. I know she's made some since last night, and she's playing it again. So I'd like to see where that goes, and I can't wait to do so. Very cool. And um, the three of us played—I never remember the name—but Elements. Of Elements the... of the Gods. That was, uh, by that was interesting. Jay, and I don't remember his last name. It was definitely Jay, yeah. Jay. 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 What a guy. <laughs> Jay. But that was really neat. I like that. With the, the cubes and the cards and the, and the things. Yeah, so you play, um, you, uh, everybody collectively controls uh, different elemental gods, and you are building monuments. <clears throat> so you have specific colored monuments in a hex system and there's uh, you build based on uh, cubes that are pre-laid out randomly on the board and there's five different five, colors five elements or co- but what about the cult it, like the four, four, is it four, four cucumber yeah, colors yeah, white purple so so you're trying to collect so you use the gods to manipulate these people into different these groups of things whether it's cultists or cattle or builders into different uh, squares and then uh, according to the groups of people that are there you can then build monuments or do things uh, including uh, beautifying your monuments with gardens around them and um, And special scoring things sacrifice sacrifice the cattle which we forgot to do yes arguably (laughs) but the cattle were very pleased with that. Yes, but we the gods were not. We, <laughs> we were all like, wow, that's cool, that's a rolling mist. Um, but uh, uh, it, thematically, it actually it felt really good that like those that all culminates in uh, these cards uh, that they're just like a, he has them in blue sleeves or blue sack of cards that you are choosing. Uh, they have some immediate point value that gives you like this immediate sense of reward and victory, or you can hold on to them and try to build your the board around uh, endgame scoring that can go a lot deeper if you strategize correctly, um, which was was like a that's a very interesting thing to ha- to balance giving that immediate uh, like instant gratification versus um, building long, up to the yeah, game, yeah. yeah I was I was talking to Jay earlier and I, I told him that I was uh, I was envious of him as a designer with that game because. Uh, he, he employed a lot of systemic design with it. He has these, these cubes, and they are manipulated around the board. And he just said, you can manipulate them in X number of ways. And I don't know what will happen then, but I would like to see. And so he just, yeah, he just played with it. And his, uh, his design timeline with that game was much like us playing the game just trying to see what would happen and watching all the different patterns evolve and it was yeah i was like that must have been so rewarding for you (laughs) it's got to be really cool to see that grow so we are just about at the end of time so why don't everyone go around and say where people can get in touch with them and anything online you want people to go look at like a kickstarter that might not be running by the time this airs (laughs) Okay, uh, so I am Carla from Weird Giraffe Games. I am online at Twitter at Weird Giraffes. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram as Weird Giraffe Games. Facebook is Carla Cop. also. Uh, my email is contact at weirddraftgames.com. Feel free to email me things. I like board games and stuff. Um, and if the Kickstarter is still on, it's at fireinthelibrary.com, or maybe it's on pre-order now. Who knows when this is happening? And I'm Daniel Newman, D-N-L-N-W-M-N on Twitter. I'm Ben Beagle. I'm still no one of consequence. I'm on Twitter at some fat kid. That's S-U-M fat kid. If you need to call me, it's one eight hundred Ben. He's also the mayor of Unpub. Yes. So I'm Matt Shoemaker. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BeLivesGame. You can also uh, check out my website at www.hitemwithashoe. That's E-M, not T-H-E-M. And uh, you can email me at shoemaker.matt at gmail.com. I am James Myers. You can find me mostly on Twitter at Apollo Continuum. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-C-O-N-T-I-N-U-U-M. 
or if you can look for the game designers in North Carolina. Gidong. We have uh, a guild on Board Game Geek, and we also have our very own podcast. You can go to podcast.gdofnc.com to find that. It'll push you to our podcast guild, or you can tweet at the guild at gdofnc on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> I have a, I have a rather long list from running the our, our podcast. Uh, I am uh, Jennifer Graham Mack. I am, again, the editor of Play Satellite. Play Satellite is playsatellite.com online, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Play Satellite. Satellite is spelled with uh, two L's, which is surprising to most people. Um, so uh, I won't spell the rest of it out. Um, oh, and uh, we are part of a collective called uh, Whistlepig Workshop. Um, so our design group that we design with, Keegan and I, uh, with his half voice, uh, is at WP Workshop on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and with my half, the, the remaining half of my voice. Uh, my name is Keegan Aquata, and that name is spelled nothing like it sounds. So um, if you go to those things that Jen said, you can find me somewhere from there. Uh, yeah. And thank you, Chris, for having us. Thank you for joining me. And on Twitter, I'm BlueQBGS, and you know the rest. It's on the show and the website. And yes, if you're listening, welcome to the show. Well, thank you all for coming and getting me one more week without having to edit too much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. That's all for this episode. You can find show notes for all episodes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Follow the show on Twitter at the BG Workshop. Like the show on Facebook and join the show's Facebook group to talk about episodes and game design. If you'd like to send in a question, you can email it to questions at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening.